Should Utah fans be concerned that Walker Lions picked USC over the Utes? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you guys follow the show at Lockdown Utes. You can also interact with me at JT Wistersill, and we'd love to talk with you guys on the YouTube comments as well. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel, the official sports book of Lockdown and the NFL. Make every moment matter more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. On today's show, we're going to talk about Walker Lions, all other things, Utah football recruiting, and a little bit of Utah basketball. And in order to help us do all that, it's friend of the show, in the Salt Lake Tribune's Josh Newman. And Josh, I think a lot of Utah fans woke up and they were pretty bummed out or just when they got the notification that Walker Lyons was going to be going to USC um, on three a while ago. It said he was going to Georgia. That's where I personally, I felt like that's where he was going to end up at. I felt like that made a lot of sense. In the end, he go- ends up going to USC. And I think a lot of people are like, well, this is really concerning, like acting like the sky is coming down. And the truth is it's not. Number one, Utah has a phenomenal tight end coach, Fred Winningham Jr. So I have zero doubt that they're going to continue to get production out of the tight end room and this is an unbelievable class of talent they've been able to bring in walker just felt like the cherry on top to me and i think maybe it hurts more just because they're going to a pac-12 rival but i i didn't feel like there was a great chance walker was going to come to utah i know he took visits with the coaches took a lot of visits that's kind of how recruiting works so to me it's not the end of the world that they didn't land this guy because it's already the best recruiting class in program history yeah fair i mean look you look at what the 24 7 rankings say look it's the 25th overall ranked class in the country, that's a, I believe that's a program record. They're ranked mm-hmm. 21st. If you go by the composite, you know, uh, Spencer Fano, four-star, Mikey Matthews, four-star, you know, Owen Chambliss, Jonathan Hall, Mac Howard, just on and on down the list. Mm-hmm. It's been a very, it's been a very fruitful 23 recruiting cycle for the University of Utah. And yeah, look, the Walker Lions thing, I mean, Utah versus Georgia, right? He decommitted from Stanford um, a little while back after David Shaw left. So, you know, you thought that maybe he would show up at Utah. It felt like, you know, it felt like Georgia for a while. I think some fans are up in arms just because, look, Utah fans don't like USC, right? Yeah. And you look at, you know, you look at what Utah has done with the tight end spot, especially with Brand Keithy and Dalton mm-hmm. Kincaid. You know, you're essentially, you know, if you're, you know, the average fan, you're looking for the next, you know, legitimate pass catching tight end that you can slide into the system, right, with 12 personnel, 13 personnel. You know, Dalton Kincaid might be a first-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Brand Keith, he's coming back for a sixth year. You know, we'll see what he can do for his draft stock. But, you know, Utah is a good place for tight ends to come if you want to develop, you want to get to to the next level. And, yeah, the USC thing, it leaves a bit of a sour taste in Utah fans' mouths just because, you know, um, know, USC with NIL and maybe they could have offered Walker Lyons money. I I don't know that to be true, but we know – you know, it's L.A., it's USC, it's Lincoln Riley. There is a lot of heavy NI, excuse me, NIL stuff going on behind the scenes there. Uh, USC leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten after, mm-hmm. after the 23 season. So all these things come into play if you're, you know, the average Utah fan, considering what this Walker Lions to USC news means. But, no, to your point, the sky is not falling. Yeah, Walker Lions would have been the cherry on top to what is, you know, objectively, you know, the best, the best class on paper – in program mm-hmm. history. 
I love that you mentioned on paper. That's going to be really important in our second segment because we've been. Lo- I was looking at some of Utah's past recruiting classes, and on paper, those won't sp- weren't supposed to be as good, and yet those same players were contributing to Pac-12 championship teams. So it's just a reminder, recruiting isn't everything. I think the reason we get all excited about when Utah does have interest and land these high-profile guys is because they do seem to have a real taste in acquiring talent. You look at all the talent they brought in, those higher players, right? How good was Lander Barton already? How good was Clark Phillips, Jalen Johnson, all these guys? And they do bring in higher talent. They tend to be really good, but We've seen some of these lesser guys in terms of stars and rankings also come in and really ball out. I think a lot of people are like, well, why did Walker choose USC? I mean, USC tight ends last year didn't have much production. Well, I I know back when Lincoln (laughs) Riley was with Oklahoma, a guy named Mark Andrews did pretty good there and is right in the NFL on fire. So I imagine that was much more the emphasis of the recruiting thing. And I'm not trying to dig the USC tight ends, but I think it was much more reason for their success was more of not an indictment on them, I'll say, but look, there was a lot of talent on the outside there too. So I think coach Riley would love to use the tight end position more, especially as this is, I mean, Walker's going on a mission. So they're, you're not going to see him as a member right. from the Trojans until after way after they're outside the PAC 12 anyways. So it, Utah won't really have to contend there for it too, but I, I think it does make an interesting thing for this Utah team. You know, they're still going to lose out to these top talents. And I think it does speak to the overall state of the program that they're in a really good position where you lose out on a high four star like this and you can still, you get bummed out about it when in the past you weren't even positioned to land those guys. I think about the encouraging thing for Utah too, is you look at Walker Lyons, right? Walker Lyons is a guy who's from California. He decides to stay in state. What is one thing Utah did in this recruiting class really took care of their in-state guys. Three of the top five in-state players come to Utah, Hunter Clegg, Smithstone, Spencer Fano. So just another point, this, this is a fantastic recruiting class. And it's just awesome. Utah's in this position where you get these high four-star players who want to be part of what you're building. Yeah. Look, I mean, Utah's recruiting for, for forever, for years and years under Kyle Whittingham, the, the you know, the roots of, of the program recruiting was, you know, find the under-recruited guys, right? The three stars, you know, look, Devin Lloyd was a two-star yeah. kid committed to Fresno State. You know, Utah gets a hold of the film. They like him. They flip him. And look what Devin Lloyd did throughout his college career. You know, had a very good rookie season with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the crux of Utah recruiting mm-hmm. is finding those under-recruited guys. But what you're seeing now in the last three or four years, but especially the last two years as Utah has like risen to prominence nationally, right? Won the Pac-12 twice, went to uh, consecutive Rose Bowls. You're seeing them have the ability to get into more homes that they couldn't before. Like five years ago, Utah doesn't get CJ blocker. Yes. Five years ago, Utah does not get Spencer Fano. In-state kid, I understand, but a talent of that caliber, they were not getting that kid. They were not getting in the living room of Spencer Fano mm-hmm. five years ago. So, again, you know, as long as Kyle Whittingham is here, the crux of the recruiting is still going to be the three-star guys, the under-recruited guys, seeing them, projecting them, turning them into players, but more so you're seeing some of these four-star kids you know, commit or at the very least in a – in a case like Walker Lions, Utah getting in the mix for a high four-star kid might not get them all. Of course, you're not going to get them all. But the point is you're, you're, you're in the mix more now. Your name is out there more now. Kids want to learn about Utah, want to you know, be recruited by Utah. And I, I, I think that's the point. That's where Utah's mm-hmm. recruiting has kind of come at this point, you know, getting in those living rooms, getting some of those commitments, and raising the level of, 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 uh, of, of recruit raising the level of recruit that is walking in the door as a true freshman. 
And I think a lot of fans are going to be disappointed in terms of, hey, there's not a lot of big news or big signings today. Well, if you look at a lot of the other premier college football programs, they might land a guy or two today. They're not landing a lot of guys because the real signing day now is the early one, basically. The top yes. players in the class, almost all of them already signed and committed by December. So you get the Walker Lions, the guys who decide to decommit, take a little bit more time. Um, I know Dion just landed a transfer corner as well. His name escaped me off the top of my head. He's another one, kind of a late signing guy. But most of the top guys signed early. So the fact that Utah was already so high in the rankings early on is only an encouraging thing because that's when all the top guys go. So I think it's really important to keep that in perspective too, is a lot of the best guys have already signed and gone elsewhere. So Utah is in a very good position as it pertains to their recruiting class. And we're going to talk in a moment about how Utah has been able to be more successful in the recruiting game over the recent years in a moment. But first, we want to talk to you guys about our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked on because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports super easy and fun. You can download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to the point spread to who will score a touchdown. FanDuel is super easy to download. The app is safe and secure and easy to set up and use. Best of all, you get paid on your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment matter more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Also, the Reese's Senior Bowl is well underway, and you guys can keep up with all the action here at the Locked On Network. Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that covered the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing. All in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, so 7 Mountain Time here. All right, Josh, you got here and kind of arrived in Utah late 2019. We were talking before I got here kind of early 2019. So I was just kind of curious because, as we mentioned, Utah fans are a little up in arms over losing out on Walker Lions. What did Utah rank back in 2019 when I first got out here? They were 42nd overall and this year 21. So a massive jump as well. And those guys they were getting in that 42nd ranked class were huge parts of their most recent seasons. How was Bam Olaseni? How was Satawa Laumea? Another guy in here, Makai Bernard, JT Broughton, Junior Tafuna. I could go on and go on. Even like a guy like Samote Peppa, Devon Vele, and Sione Vaki. All these guys were members of the 2019 recruiting class and then paid huge dividends dividends later on and Utah still picked up some of those under the radar guys in this class that's going to be fun to see what they can turn into but when looking at what has led to kind of this jump in development for recruiting I think the biggest thing is just flat out the most obvious thing you can win at Utah you can win back-to-back Pac-12 championships it wasn't a fluke this is sustainable success and now you're seeing a bump in recruiting because of it because guys know they can come here and they can win and especially with the college football playoff expanding you're gonna have a chance to get into the CFP yeah, no, I mean, that's the that's the obvious first thing, right? Uh, winning, showing you can win. Again, uh, winning back-to-back Pac-12 championship games, uh, getting to, what is it now, four of the last five Pac-12 championship games, going to the Rose Bowl. Utah has shown that you can have team and individual success, um, you know, coming to this program yep. and working and doing that, you know, just to, just to further this point. I mean, another thing that if I was an 18 year old kid, like trying to choose schools, I think a big thing at Utah is uh, continuity on the coaching staff. You know, mm-hmm. Kyle Whittingham has probably, 
you know, more job security than almost any coach in the country. He's yeah. not going anywhere until he decides that it's time to go. Uh, presumably, right, Morgan Scally it is not going anywhere yep. anytime soon. So you know your defensive coordinator is going to be around. And, yeah, look, a, a position coach, may, you know, may go here and there, right? Chad Bumpus left um, mm-hmm. earlier this year, took the same job um, at Mississippi State. But the, the point is – you are mostly getting coaching continuity, right? Freddie Whittingham is not going anywhere. Uh, you know, the tight ends coach, you know, Colton Swan ha- has been here for a number of years um, as the linebackers coach, Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator. He's been here for a number of years, Jim Harding, the offensive yes. line coach on and on and on. So, you know, you want, look, the, the, the coaching profession is, is, is unstable, right? At, mm-hmm. Especially right. at this level, guys are coming, guys are going, guys are getting fired. That seems to be less of an issue at Utah for whatever reason. You know, I understand that Mark Harlan, the athletic director, uh, in conjunction with Kyle Whittingham, have, have really put together the resources to keep coaches in place and, and having them want to stay at the, at the University of Utah. So, yeah, you know, winning games, winning conference championships, going to Rose Bowls, that is obviously a factor, probably the number one factor in recruiting. But I do think, that, you know, coaching continuity, you know, certainly plays a large role if you're a young person trying to decide where to spend four five, even six years of college. I absolutely agree. Because as much as every once in a while you get the Sam Ellinger, right? Where we throw up the picture of him in black and white, sure. throwing up the horns, basically grew up there, loved his school, wanted to go there. And Utah's had that a couple of times too. But for the most part, when you pick a school, you're picking the coaches because you have the good relationship with them. You trust them to help develop you too. And I mentioned development because you mentioned individual success too. And that is a huge thing. Now this Utah program's offering Clark Phillips, Jalen Johnson. You just mentioned Dalton Kincaid too. If you're an elite player, what can you do? You can come to Utah. You can play early, something Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, right. other schools won't offer, and you can get developed while also winning to become a first-round draft pick or just a high draft pick, which is something all these guys, they dream of playing in the NFL. They dream of playing college football, and they dream of playing in the NFL. So it's a big thing for them, too, that they can come in with a coach they trust and work with them to develop their skill set to put themselves in the best position to have success at the NFL level. Good point. I, I mean, I have nothing to add. I mean, that was pretty succinct. That was pretty, that was well said. I, I, I have nothing to add to what you just said. I'll, I'll take it. Honestly, I appreciate it. <laughs> I think one of the interesting things is you mentioned, cause we talked about Kyle Whittingham. He is very, very, very secure in his job status. And one of the things that's interesting is, you know, you see places like Iowa have been teetering in the past few years. Um, we saw TCU had to make a coaching change from their longer tenured head coach in order to get to the position they just got to with Coach Dykes. Right. But Kyle Whittingham has been able to navigate that and been able to make the changes. And yes, Utah's been winning. But why do you think he's adjusted so well to the times? Yeah, that's interesting. And I've written that a couple of times just, you know, with his age, I think he's 63 now, 62 yeah. or 63 Look, his his football youth goes back to the seventies and the eighties when, you know, concussions were not a concern yep. and mental health was not a concern. And all of these things that are prevalent now in the late seventies and the early eighties, into the mid eighties, right? He had a cup of coffee in the NFL during the uh <laughs> uh the eighty seven strike season. Those things were not prevalent at all at any level of football. And I think the I think the big thing with Kyle is, as you said, look, he's been willing to adapt to the times, right? We've all, you know, we all know the story about, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Dixon had some issues in his personal life, you know, left the program, wanted to come back, talk to Kyle. They got him some help, and Jalen Dixon thrived, right, for the mm-hmm. final 
what, what was it? Uh, yeah. Two seasons of his career, yes. you know, mm-hmm. certainly played well this past season. So things like that, um, mental health, um, nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, head injuries, the whole thing, he's been willing to adapt to the times. And now if you look at what is super prevalent now within college football, all the things I mentioned, plus NIL, he is, you know, wanting and willing to adapt to the times he has leveraged the transfer portal, you know, yes. well, right. He, look, he hasn't hit on all of them. Right. But mm-hmm. he's been willing to dive into the portal for quarterbacks and wide receivers and whatever else, you know, tight ends, right. Dalton Kincaid yeah. was a, you know, was a transfer portal kid, Cam Rise and Jaquindon Jackson. I understand that Charlie Brewer did not work out here, but at the time getting Charlie Brewer was a massive get yes. at the time for Kyle Whittingham. So just his willingness given, Again, his age, his experience, what football was like for him as, as, a, as a teenager and as a young adult, his willing to adapt to the times is a wildly underrated reason why Utah is in the middle of, of something of a golden age, yes. right? You know, with all the winning and the conference championships, I don't think he's gotten enough credit for the job he's done adapting to the times, quite honestly. I absolutely agree. And I think you make a great point too about Charlie Brewer because I think so many people, obviously that went poorly. So everyone turned oh. on and was like, this was a terrible move. Let's not no. forget how good Charlie Brewer, Matt Rule were at Baylor. That worked <laughs> out really well. That's why eventually I think that Matt Rule will be decent at Nebraska. I mean, I also thought Scott Frost would be decent at Nebraska and we know that turned out. So I think we all did for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be interesting yeah. to watch and see all that. But either way, this is a Utah team that has used the transfer portal adapted to the way you work with kids and recruiting now. Mm-hmm. And it's been huge to their success. We're going to talk about some recent success for the Utah men's basketball program in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to be eating healthier and you don't want to compromise the taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. you you got to try a Built. With Built Healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you, and they're perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. You guys can also head over to your local Smith's or Sam's Club and pick up a box of Built Bars today, or you can just head over and order one at Built.com. So make sure you guys pick up a four-box of cookies and cream, coconut puffs, salted caramel, and brownie batter puffs at your nearest Smith's. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-box bar with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Head over to Built and get in on that great deal. Josh, Utah basketball has seen much more success last year. They, I mean, they had a winless January a year ago, so it's obviously been an improvement from that. And this right now, they've been really good. They're overall their fourth in the Pac-12 standings. They've been as high as two, I want to say, at one different point, depending yep. on how things break out. But it's changed. It, things have changed a little bit as of recently. Look, 15 and eight overall, still very good. That's having a strong season, ton of success and credit goes to Craig Smith, his staff, Brandon Carlson's development, Gabe Madsen, Stefanovic, the jumps they've taken in the second year with the team, bringing on young, exciting freshmen. But I think there is a little thing that's reminding me a little bit as everyone kind of got swept up in how good is this Utah team? Can Are they one of the four best? Can they contend for a Pac-12 championship? And look, maybe in the regular season, they'll finish as one of the four best. I still feel like it's a year, a couple years away from contending for the top of the conference because yes, you beat Arizona, but let's look outside of that. 
against Oregon, they're 0-2 now. Against TCU, they lost. Against BYU, they lost. Also lost at USC and at UCLA. And yes, I know Brandon Carlson's health was a factor, but you look at all those next best games, like the other guys where it's like, okay, this could be a little challenging. Can we rise up and beat them? They haven't been able to do that yet. They've already done it once and got a monumental win. So already a successful second season, in my opinion. You've already won more games, all that. This is going in the right direction. But I think the ceiling isn't as high as some people think it is for this current season. Well, what do you think the ceiling is for this season? And, and then we can go from there. I think it's win two games in the Pac-12 tournament potentially. And then I, I don't personally, I don't really see a path to get into the, the conference championship game. I just feel like, look, maybe they can get hot, but they haven't proven it against the best as of recently. So that's where I feel like the ceiling is. You win two games, you squeeze into the NCAA tournament, but I don't see this team winning a Pac-12 championship this year or making it to the championship game. All right, fair enough. So they, so... Utah is is uh, is four and eight against quads one and two, right? The you know mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament is seated, uh, you know, partially off off what is called the net rankings, and and you know we don't have enough time to yeah. try to explain exactly what the net is, but the bottom line is you're you're two and five against quadrant one teams. Quadrant one teams are your are your really good teams, right? Two and five is not good enough. You are four and eight against quads one and two combined, also not good enough, but against quadrant three and four combined, which is like your lesser teams, you're 11 and 0. So what that tells me is you don't have enough wins to be in the NCAA tournament as it stands right now. But the fact that you have not lost a quad three or quad four game, that means that you're still in the mix because you don't have any bad losses. Metrics, metrics wise, they don't have any bad losses. So this is what we're looking at, right? You're 15 and eight overall. I just, you know, I rattled off what the quadrants look like. If they beat Stanford Thursday and they beat Cal Sunday, you're 17 and eight overall. You're 13 and 0 against quadrants three and four. The final six games, everything is still in front of you. That's true. If you, if you win both these games this weekend. Now, look, you have to play Colorado twice. Mm-hmm. You have to play Arizona. You have to play Arizona State. You have to play UCLA. You have to play USC. There is not a gimme in there. Yeah, But if, if you win both these this weekend, those final six games offer you the opportunity to get back into the NCAA tournament bubble mix. All right. They're kind of one of those, mm-hmm. you know, they're not, they're not next four out. They're kind of beyond that next four yep. out situation, but opportunities are coming now in terms of what the ceiling is. Yeah. I mean, you know, based on everything I just said, you can still get to the That's NCAA true. tournament. They, they, like that, that, that is not dead yet. It seems unlikely admittedly, but that is still a possibility. Now, in terms of the Pac-12 hierarchy, I would probably, I would definitely tend to agree with you. Yes, they beat Arizona. Everything clicked. Something special happened that night. They have not been able to replicate something like that Mm -hmm. since, right? As you said, you know, lost to UCLA, lost to USC. Um, So, you know, we're going to see what happens here. But if you can finish in the top four and you get a bye through the first round, of the Pac-12 tournament, you know, it's all about matchups. I mean, can you win one? Yeah. Can you win yep. two in Vegas? I, I, I think that's asking a lot, yep. but let's see what the matchups look like. Now, I would also call this season, this second season under Craig Smith, a success, but, you know, I find myself going back and forth. It's like, look, okay. I, I definitely said and wrote during the preseason, like, if you can get to like 16, 17, 18 wins, maybe be flirting with the NIT, in a vacuum, I thought that that would be a successful season. But then that math probably changed after they beat Arizona 
right? Mm-hmm. The expectations maybe changed. You know, if you get to the NIT and you're able to host one, two, even up to three games, if things break right, I mean, you have to call that a successful season. And, you know, where we stand now, uh, Utah is almost assuredly going to the NIT. It would take yes. a complete, complete collapse yeah. for them not to get to the NIT. So uh, barring something crazy, like they are going to the NIT. And I just think after the way last season ended and who left and who came in, you have to call this season a success. And if you want to call it a little bit of a disappointment because you couldn't, you know, you couldn't, you know, replicate the Arizona win or, or, or you mm-hmm. couldn't build like full momentum off that. I completely understand that, but you know, brass tacks, like it's been a successful second season. I don't really think that's up for debate. Absolutely. And I think you make a great point of how everything is still on the table, because even though they haven't done gotten those wins against some of those other teams, those quad quad one and quad two teams, those are still available for them potentially on their schedule with a couple of those ones coming at home. This is a Utah team last year that had a chance at the buzzer to go to overtime with UCLA at home. They're going to get the the Bruins and the Trojans coming to town this time around. They're going to take on Arizona again, Arizona State. You mentioned Colorado, too. Lot still on the table for this Utah basketball team. And Josh, before we get you out of here, it is just in a good position, this Utah basketball program now, because of some of the adjustments and the things it feels like Craig Smith has done. I feel like the reason this year's team is having so much success is that blend of the veterans. Perhaps we've ever seen Brandon Carlson. You get leaders on the floor like Marco Anthony, Raleigh Wooster in their second year with the team. And you also get some of the younger guys, guys like a Stefanovic, like a Madsen, who have just developed a little bit more from the previous season and taken some of those steps just in the process of their development. That's one of the things that's led to the growth of this team for me. But in terms of what Coach Smith has done, or if he's done anything differently, what do you think the reason this team is having more success, at least in his second year tenure? You know, again, guy, guys left after last season, new guys came in. I think, uh, I think there's more of the, of the right pieces that Craig needs to employ what he wants to do specifically, you know, this is a much more willing team in terms of defending mm-hmm. out on the perimeter in the interior. So a lot of willing defenders, they're doing a much better job on the boards. I mean, last year's team yeah. got crushed on the boards a number of times. I think collectively it's a much better rebounding team. And yeah, look in, in terms of field goal percentage defense, three-point field goal percentage defense, this is a top 10 team nationally in both of those categories. You know, their rebounding margin, I haven't looked at it in a while. I believe it's top mm-hmm. 25 or top 30 nationally. So those two things, defending and rebounding, that's going to win you a lot of games. I think the one, I think the one glaring deficiency is just there's a lack of consistency in terms of shooting, being able to knock down the perimeter jumper. Yeah. I mean, there's a, you know, there were a few you know, a few, a few losses that stand out where like, God, if they could, if Madsen could have hit a couple more jumpers, Mm -hmm. if Stefanovic, you know, could have done some more damage from the perimeter. I mean, they would have beaten Mississippi state on a neutral floor in Florida, the game at USC. I thought Brandon Carlson was terrific at USC, but he got no help from anybody. Mm -hmm. Madsen shot terribly. Stefanovic shot terribly. Uh, Marco Anthony will exact all down the line. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that kind of, you know, look, we're, 23 games into this thing, right? Like that, that end of things, right? The offensive end shooting, that kind of is what it is at this point. So, you know, defense and rebounding will, you know, will pull them through a lot of nights, but as you, as you start to look at the off season, right. You know, that, you know, the nature of the sport, more guys will transfer or graduate or, or whatever. They need to find new pieces to fill those holes. You Mm -hmm. have to find some more offense. Like, I I don't know what they're going to do. 
you know, Craig is unafraid to hit the portal if need be, right? But you have to find some more offense because you can't have you can't have some nights like at USC where Carlson's scoring like twenty five on like yep. nine of thirteen shooting, playing out of his mind, and just have nobody helping him. You just can't. Mm-hmm. If you want to take a step forward, if you want to be considered a, a Pac twelve title contender, you have to find more offense. You absolutely do. And I think one of the things that's crazy is I think if you told almost everyone going into the season that Mike Saunders would just really not be involved in the rotation at this point, or just not, or just putting up the numbers he's putting up, I don't think anyone would have thought that Utah basketball would be having this kind of success. Cause I know at least me personally, and a lot of people thought he was going to be a big part of it. So it's a testament to the growth and development of this team overall that they're in this position and it's going to be a lot of fun. And Hey, Utah fans. I mean, if you want to see this team accomplish those things, Come into the game, support this team. It's been a much better home court advantage for the Utes this this current season. So come out to some of the games, see some of these tough matchups the Utes have coming up. Because I'll tell you one thing, I think it's going to be a great game. And Josh, if people want some more Utah basketball and Utah football coverage, where should they go look at? Appreciate that, man. My Twitter handle, as it says on the screen here, at uh, Joshua underscore Newman, links to all the coverage, basketball, football, or you can support the uh, Salt Lake Tribune, uh, sltrib.com slash sports. Make sure you guys head over there. Big thanks to Josh, as always, for joining us. If you guys are in the market for a second listen every single day, we recommend you check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It's a brand new podcast with Locked On College Basketball, where you have experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bringing you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, you're from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Big thanks to Josh once again for joining us. That's going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Youth, but we'll see you tomorrow.